Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. On today's episode, Perry and I sat down with Caitlin Duke. She is the sommelier and beverage director at Bascom's Chop House. We've always really appreciated what she's done with her wine list, and she's got some great accolades to show off, and uh, she's a really fun personality. So it's great for us to be able to get her on the show and showcase exactly what she's doing. Right now, we have the Dow Virtual Zoom Tasting for sale on the website. That's next Friday. We've done several of these things. They're always a really good time. We have a ton of people on board, and Danny was on the uh, the podcast a few weeks ago, and he did a great job. We really appreciated what he had to say, and he seems like he's going to be a really fun time. So we're really excited about it. That is available for purchase on the website now. We hope that you enjoy the podcast as much as we enjoy making it. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Caitlin, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm awesome. I'm uh I think we're really excited to finally get you on. <laughs> I'm I don't think you're as excited as I am. This is the most exciting thing to happen to me in 2021. It's gonna be sure. a fun show. I okay. think this is the show that I think we're gonna talk about politics and cussing. No. Right? <laughs> is that it? No. no? Oh, please no. Left turn on this show. Okay. <laughs> we uh well We've talked about this forever. When we had the idea of the show, we really wanted to drive home wine, obviously, but we wanted to capture uh, local restaurateurs, sommeliers, chefs, um, uh, brewers, brewers, distillers, distillers, the whole thing, but obviously with a big emphasis on wine. Uh, and we've done really good at grabbing winemakers and um, owners, owners, and mm-hmm. and we have uh, psalms in our back pockets that uh, you know I've been connected to through the industry that I've wanted to bring on or chefs. Um, we've held back for a couple of reasons. We wanted to wait until 2021 to kind of kick off uh, a couple of big things. There was a little bit of a, a discussion at one point in time where there could have been an offer on the table for something bigger for the podcast. So we were kind of feeling things out and seeing what was going. And it's still there. Yeah, we're, we're yeah, which we'll see. It, you know, whether we take it or not, or what we do is is the future. But we wanted to uh, have people on that. Uh, we think blow things away and and you definitely fit the bill there that's such an honor thank you so much <laughs> yeah, and local too you know we love you know really showing our tampa bay area like you know the people who really make it thrive absolutely and i think in the last maybe decade or so the food and wine scene in tampa bay has just exploded and that's mm-hmm. so exciting we, we talked about it a little bit beforehand, and you mentioned, you know, uh, you wanting to do a podcast, and I think that's such a great thing, and I think yeah. you're a good fit for that. You have a great personality. I've watched your um, your uh, videos that you do for uh, Bascom's, and, you know, I think that you fit that bill really well, and we've talked about it before. We're in such a niche market of the podcast world, but since we've started, I mean, our numbers, we do we do pretty damn well. I mean, out of, out of nowhere, we overnight almost it, we're learning on the go we've never done this before and yeah suddenly we're doing it to hundreds of strangers yeah like, well here we go in parts I, all over the world too. yeah all over the world but that's so, awesome and that's fun yeah, yeah. You know, it's a fun to, yeah. way to do it and um i think when i thought of local restaurateurs or or psalms uh, a couple of names came to mind um uh, just for my my knowledge of who's around um first off i've handed off my lists to a couple of different people, and they were at the top of my list. Unfortunately, none of them have come on at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just been a weird trying to connect people, especially during COVID. People are scared to come on and a little nervous to, you know, go out and about and do something like this. Uh, and then there were um, people that I worked with, such as Tyler. He's been on the podcast. Yes. I think Tyler's yeah. great at what he does. Love Tyler. And he's such a – he's an animated character. Yeah. He's really fun, and I thought that he would be – uh, a, a great addition to this. And then you actually were the very top of the list after that. Oh, goodness. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and what's funny is we've never worked together. No, we never we, have. We've, uh, I, I've, I've been around you in some uh, luncheons. Yeah. I've always enjoyed being at those luncheons with you. I yes, think what likewise. you have to say about wine is, is phenomenal. Uh, and I also like your uh, 
uh, no BS attitude. Yeah, to I, I have no filter when I taste wine. Mm-hmm. I have absolutely no filter. I don't beat around the bush. I'm just going to tell it like it is. And if I don't like a wine, I'm going to tell you I don't like it. I'm going to tell you why. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm raw, real, uncut. I just, I'm unapologetic. Good, <laughs> good. <laughs> Um, I, you know, we've been doing it for a long time, like in this business, my dad's, you know, been doing it forever. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'm lucky enough that I've been doing it for 20 years pretty heavily. And, um, we get to, we definitely get to see a lot of people in this industry. You know, I mean, I was playing punk rock shows and Brad Dixon was coming to my shows, right? Right This is before Brad was at Burns, (laughs) right? So, you know, we, we're lucky enough to have that, you know, camaraderie with locals with you know got vendors that have been with us for years vendors that now are managers you know or, absolutely um and you know we've been on wine trips we take wine trips and, and my dad you know we've been on lots of trips with 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 wineries and things like that so we're able to like i think push uh, a little bit into letting people get a better grasp of wine education um but you know we want it to be fun so that's why we Remember when I talked to you, I said, let's do some blind tastings. Yeah. yeah. I never get to blind taste anymore. I do blind tastings regularly with the staff at Bascom's, but I'm always the one picking the wine, so I know what the wine is. is. I really haven't blind tasted on a regular basis since some school. Yeah? Oh, yeah. well. That's, uh, so it's fun. It's always fun when you get the opportunity to blind taste. We I did it every Saturday before COVID. It, well, every it, Saturday. Yeah. I, I didn't get uh, – I don't get as much of a t- uh, chance to blind in my everyday world, I, I suppose. I um, When I was working at the restaurant, you know, like I said, we were uh, – a, a few of us were teaching the education there, and we were blinding people and teaching people how to blind and taste and – um, but to your point, I never really got the opportunity to have it back towards me. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe in passing, you know, uh, there's been times where, you know, Tyler, because he's also wine geeky, would come by and set a glass of wine on the bar and tell me what it is. But yeah. you're just yeah. in passing at that yeah. point, you know what I mean? And I'm working, I'm slinging drinks, and it's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I nap a cab, and he's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> so, uh, I am going to take a shot in the dark at this, and I'm going to say it's a Napa Chardonnay. Is that right? <laughs> he knows what it is, folks. He knows what it is. Uh, but no, Anthony. As far from Napa Chardonnay yeah. as you, you can you know, possibly You know get. what it is, and so that he's just trying to throw you off your game. Sure. <laughs> I smelled it, and it's not Chardonnay. Yeah. No, it's not Chardonnay. It's not Chardonnay. Um, so you mentioned, you know, being very unapologetic, and that is uh, something that I, I definitely appreciate about you. Um, and I think most people do, whether, you know, they're um, someone who's enjoying your wine list or maybe even a, uh, a disappointed rep who just pitched you something and walked sure. out the door, <laughs> you know, a little heartbroken. But how do you uh, – something that I struggled with um, creating lists myself is finding the balance between – what people are going after, uh, what you want to put on a list, and what's going to sell. Absolutely. And that is definitely a balancing act. You know, the wine list, first of all, at Bascom's Chop House is quite large. We have over 600 selections on our list. So it's great to know that when I go to a table, no matter what style of wine they want, what budget they have, I have something that they're going to love. That is 100% confidence every time. Now, I do put some things on the list. I, I really want a global list. So I like to have global representation. And even some of those wines might be a little obscure for your average buyer. But then you do get some guests who are really adventurous. I've gone to tables and said, you know, this is what we usually drink. We usually drink California Pinot. And we want to try something we've never had before. That's the style we like. I'm like, great. Let's let's get like a Zweigelt in your glass or right. let's get, you know what I mean? Something just, or even a Pinot from South Africa or sure. something crazy. So those guests I can have fun with. The other key to that success, I think, is staff education. I do have somewhat of an educational background. I do a lot of staff education at Bascom's Chop House. And I, in previous restaurants, great restaurants I've worked where I was part of the wait staff, we did a lot of staff education and I just thought to myself, wow, this is so valuable, such a valuable tool just because you have a sommelier or a sommelier team that doesn't mean you shouldn't educate the wait staff. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't be at every single table. I have days off. I can't right. always be there. So, uh, the staff at Bascom's is super professional. 
a lot of them are career servers. A lot of them are, you know, over 40 or even over 50. They've been doing this their whole lives mm -hmm. and they take it seriously. Right. They really respond to wine education. I've been at Bascom's a little over two years now and just the servers where they were when I joined and where they are now is just awesome. It's such an awesome evolution to have witnessed. And with a steakhouse, I mean, is is... I mean, is your guests that are like very, they come in, they look at the list, they know what they want. Is it really cab heavy? It is cab heavy. For them, it for is. people who order. It yeah. is cab heavy. When I started with implementing regular staff education, I tried to start with the most similar styles or regions to Napa cabs, such as Tuscany. Mm -hmm. You know, that's such an easy suggestion for a Napa cab drinker. Mm -hmm. Oh, I drink Napa cab. Hey, why don't you try this super Tuscan? Right. So I kind of just took it from there, and now we're all over the place. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you we're the we're the guys that'll come in and and want the geeky stuff. Absolutely. Right? Like that's I don't ever go. I a lot of times I'll go to a restaurant and I'll look at the list and I go, boring. You know. <laughs> yes. You know. Yeah. This is so like every restaurant I've ever been to. You cannot say that about Bascom's yeah. Whiteless. And, no. I, and, <laughs> and those are restaurants I steer away from too. Yeah. You know. Because Absolutely. I want to be, I want to be taken someplace, and that is. I've already been to the places that they're trying to take me to. Right. I love that. And you see that a lot uh, in restaurants where I don't know that it's necessarily they're boring. Uh, and I've worked in, in restaurants where I don't have the freedom to put the wines I want on a list. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's a thing, too. But and that's that might not be the psalm being afraid of it. But more of the the owner not understanding, like what yeah. what the hell is Gigandas and why yeah, are you yeah. wanting it on my list? Yeah. You know what I mean? And how are you going to sell this? Um, I think with a good a good psalm uh, and a, I guess a good relationship between the owner and the psalm uh, to be able to put those things on. And to your point, education. If you educate your staff, it's always been a, a highlight of my uh, career to educate staff. I think bumping up education is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, and, and you know, obviously we can never learn enough. There's no. the, the, the and industry is ever growing. Every year things are changing and you're learning more and uh, your staff who isn't necessarily paying attention to the wine, how are they supposed to keep up? Exactly. So if you're educating them, then when they get a random question as to, you know, what something is or what that region's like or I, I am a cab drinker, a Napa cab drinker, but take me somewhere else. They don't have to, you know, panic and, oh, let me go find Caitlin. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I think I've taught them to be able to do that without necessarily knowing all these geeky details about a particular wine. Mm -hmm. You know, studying regions and, and how a region represents a style that can be enough to make that sale and, and, and you know, turn the customer onto something new. Um, Paul Bullard, the managing partner, who's my boss at Bascom's, when I first started, Bascom's, by the way, has never had a sommelier or beverage director before. So at first, I was getting some of that pushback, some of that, why are you buying this? Nobody's, nobody's <laughs> going nobody's gonna to want that. Nobody's. And my response, and we laugh about it, has always been, Paul, hold my beer, okay? Yeah. Because <laughs> this is why you hired me, right. okay? And, and sure enough, I have put some really fun and geeky obscure wines on the list but some we've sold through several cases of and yeah and, and the staff when they taste it the light you know you see the light bulb go on and and that is such an exciting moment and then all of a sudden we're, we're blowing through cases of that wine because they're passionate about it the guest picks up on that passion and uh something yeah. to to at a very basic very uh easy digestible uh expression of that i think uh for people to understand is one of my favorite things i've talked about it before uh i i love hearing two things at a table i love hearing i don't like merlot yeah <laughs> all right sure you don't <laughs> sure right let right. me show you something yeah. uh and i love hearing i don't like chardonnay I'm a white wine drinker, but I don't like Chardonnay. That's one of mine, too, because Chardonnay is so expressive of where it comes from, and there's oh, so many different styles. So, so many styles. It, you yeah. know, if you don't like the oaky, buttery Chardonnay, well, great. There's complete opposite styles yeah. of that. You know, take a Chablis, and, absolutely. and you're going to love that. That mineral. Bon dry. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I mean, I was thinking about how we purchase wine, and, you know, there's times because there's some wines you have to have in retail just because people yes. are going to buy that wine and if you don't have it that's just a sale you lost absolutely and, I, and we're not immune to that right. at Bascom's I think you're yeah. I think sometimes you're dumb and I hate I don't like mm -hmm. using that word but I do feel sometimes you know if you don't have the wine that everybody loves 
that's just you lost a sale and that person might not even come back because they you know but when i when we're buying wine here that's one thing we look at is how's this wine going to move mm-hmm. number one and number two is like oh we tasted it this is so good we get it's fun to get behind wine because you get so you kind of fall in love with it and you know you you the nuances of the wine really excite you and you want to show somebody else you want absolutely you, you want to teach somebody else to try that so i think that's the the fun about purchasing wine is like you know you have the idea of like okay what did this wine cost how good is it for that price and then like is this so geeky that it's going to be hard to sell you know 10 cases well we'll buy a six pack and see how that goes and move from there so i think that's the fun part about purchasing wine for all of us is that you know we do have to think about our what you guys call guests and what i call customers mm-hmm. and uh uh, and then, you know, finding that right wine that works for your own business, right? So because uh, there's plenty of wines that I'm not a fan of, but I sell lots of cases. Right. Of, Absolutely. You know? so. I mean, I can, like I said, Bascom's is not immune to that. However, you know, I do have my limits. I draw the line at Mayomi. I will not carry <laughs> Mayomi. I'm sorry. If Caitlin listening is, loves Mayomi. I'm sorry. And we will carry it all the time, I, folks. You know what? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Uh, uh, that's such a big wine, right? And that's oh. one that people absolutely love. Oh, and I just won't do it. I just can't. I can't do it. It's well, like, ugh. And again, Mayomi is cab drinker's Pinot, right? We hear that term all the time, right? But it was funny having again, Malik on, and Malik, as soon as that term came out, he goes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you want to go? But we didn't buy it for a long period of time and for that same reason. But, you know, during the holidays, I thought, you know what? I'm going to bring it in and see what it does. Guess what? I sold out of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, sure. There's things like that you have to have. I've, I've held no bones against, you know, some of those big cabs that I just absolutely despise. I, I hate seeing people waste their money on it. Uh, one big one. I don't even have to say the name. Don't say the name. I, I don't even have to say <laughs> the it name. It might be on the shelf. <laughs> and you know and exactly somebody, what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, and somebody's going to love it. It's Someone's going to love it. Mm-hmm. And it, having it on your wine list right now, I think, is just absolutely atrocious. You're spending a couple hundred dollars for a wine that is meant to be drank in 20 years. Mm-hmm. That wine should not be drank right now. You're throwing your money away. It's way too high in acid. The tannins are not there. It's just not formed. I know exactly what you're talking of about. Of course you do. Uh, <laughs> no, I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> let's talk about your uh, background a little bit. You're very talented. Uh, you. you didn't just uh, wake up one day and end up at Bascom's. Where'd you come from? No, and you know, I think one thing I have in common with many sommeliers is that I really never set out to be a sommelier until I did, right? That mm-hmm. wasn't ever really a plan in my mind. I did grow up in the restaurant business. I grew up in Fairfield, Connecticut. My father used to own a few different restaurants, and he actually met my mother when she was a waitress at the casual steakhouse that he owned. Mm. And my mother always had second jobs, third jobs in restaurants. She was a teacher uh, Monday through Friday during the day. But I was absolutely raised in the business. We were always around restaurants, always going out to eat. And as soon as I was old enough to work, I sure enough was working in a restaurant. When I went to college, I went here uh, to the University of Tampa. I studied biology. I graduated and I was like, oh my gosh, thank God I can leave the restaurant business. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) I am so tired of like waiting on people. I'm so tired of the business. And I wound up teaching. I, again, never planned to be a teacher, but I sort of fell into it and ended up teaching abroad for almost two years in Ecuador. Wow. I loved that. I taught math at a bilingual school. So I taught math in English to middle school students Hmm. of all uh, ages. And uh, I came back to the United States and took a teaching job. And whoa, like everything came to a screeching halt. I was making no money. I had moved back in with my parents. (laughs) I was deciding between renting my own place or paying for a car. And I said, oh my goodness, something's got to give. So I had the opportunity to go into, um, to move out to Beaver Creek, Colorado and go back into the restaurant business. And I thought, well, until I find, you know, figure something else out, I'll, I'll do that. And that was really the first time in Beaver Creek where I worked in fine dining. 
And that was such an eye opener. I was for the first time working with amazing chefs, amazing sommeliers. I was getting a lot of wine education. And that was definitely a wow moment. I, like, wow, this is so cool. I, I for spending my whole life in this business, I guess I never really realized, you know, that there was so much to it. And and it's not just about serving food. It's about creating memorable experiences. Mm-hmm. And part of that certainly is with the service and with the wine. And then it just sort of snowballed from there. Different opportunities fell into my lap. I moved into management. I did move back to Connecticut and took a job as the assistant manager of the Union League Cafe, which is a very well-known restaurant in New Haven. It's right across from Yale campus. It's been there almost 30 years. Hmm. Master French Chef owned and operated. And uh, it was the Union League Cafe, uh, the owners, and and my mentor, Jean-Michel, who sent me to the Sommelier Society of America in Hmm. Manhattan. And I finished at the top of my class and knew I wanted to move back to Tampa. Uh And I had the opportunity at Bascom's and I just wanted it. I wow. <laughs> I even, Paul and I, again, my boss Paul and I joke about this. Uh, he took quite a long time to decide who to hire for the position. Again, it was a new position at Bascom's, so not a, a light decision. Right. And I was just harassing him up and down. I was like calling, texting, <laughs> emailing him almost every day. And I was like, hey, I want to work for you. <laughs> you made a decision <laughs> or not. And finally he was just like, okay, okay, you can come to work. <laughs> We'll let you in. And now, and now, you know, here I am. And, but it seems and... to be the greatest decision. I mean, you have done wonders with that list. Thank you so much. Th- that list was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little more critical of lists around town than yeah. maybe I should be. Sure. But it was not a great list before you came on. You know, it was a great collection of wine. Right. But the list itself was lacked organization sure and well um, they've always had a yeah. uh, quite sizable yes list there's was always it a, been a was lot. it a, was it a global appeal like was there it was not as global yeah. it was super 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 napa heavy mm-hmm. which it's still napa heavy yeah, it probably course. always will be napa yeah, heavy fine but yeah. now we have so much more representation from different parts of the globe mm-hmm. south africa australia um south america mm-hmm. washington i've more than doubled the size of our Washington selections, awesome. and that is something I'd love to talk about a little bit later. Um, such talk a fan, of, such, a, such a fan of Washington. Well, as are we. You're amongst friends. Oh, oh <laughs> that's wonderful. Talk about I am, it. Let's hear it. I am Florida's absolute number one Washington wine warrior. Mm-hmm. Fight me, okay? You okay. can fight me on it. <laughs> uh, I had the um, opportunity to go on the Washington wine road trip in 2019, and oh my gosh. What an incredible experience. They just do such a great job on that trip. And, you know, over five days, I don't know how many hundreds of wines <laughs> I tasted. Yeah. And and uh, it really was an eye-opener. I think not only is the quality there, but the value is just mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. And I think what I love about Washington is that it, pe- it appeals to new world wine drinkers and old world wine drinkers. Absolutely. You have that new world fruit, but you have that old world structure and acidity. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and again, the value, man. Oh my gosh. Um, I love that the wines are almost all organic. Pests just can't survive in that mm-hmm. climate. And dry, that, yeah. yeah. So there's no need for pesticides. And I know you've mentioned this on your other podcasts, but that is definitely a growing demand for consumers. They're asking for organic wines. And yeah. Um, so, Absolutely. yeah, I mean, I could go on and on and on. I, I could seriously go on, but I'm a huge Washington wine warrior. We, I am too. I've been there multiple times. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad was on the Washington State Wine Commission mm-hmm. trip. But, you know, when you said, you know, you do have old world or new world, well, yeah. you take, you drink a, 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 a something from Cayuse or, or somebody like that, and, you know, you taste like Cote Roti or, you know, it really, you know, and if you look at the vineyard, the Rocks Vineyard, if, if you've ever been there, I mean, it's it's like you're in the Rhone. It's just all. It's like Chateauneuf to Pop it, it in America. It is. Yeah. And it's shocking. Yeah. It's shocking. Um but then again, you know, you can have something like John Bookwalter on Red Mountain Absolutely. producing, you know, really rich and, you know, American style yes. or New World style. Yes. Or then go to Cosolari and maybe get a little Italian feel, too, you know. So it's a, it's a great location. It is my favorite place. Like, I travel a lot yeah. on wine trips. It's one of my favorite places. And if, if you're the Napa warrior... You need to break away and get to Washington. And to, to be honest with you, go to Oregon too. 
Well, it's a oh, great yeah. stepping stone, right? That is, you know, I, I liked what you said. It's It's got some old world. It's got some new world. It's a nice in-between feel. You can kind of appeal to everyone. You know, that that California warrior is, you can find something that will reach to them. Yeah. And then you can start pulling away those layers a little bit and yeah. opening their eyes to different things. Uh, again, I'm not the person who's going to try to talk you out of your wine, but if you're if you're open to exploring, we can play. Absolutely. And, and I've got some things that I know that you will enjoy that you didn't know that you would enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I want to mention, too, that I am very much an old world wine lover. Of course. I, my background is with old world wine, prim- primarily French wine. Mm-hmm. And I think French wine will always be number one in my heart. Uh, the history of those old world wine regions is just so fascinating. You know, so many of these countries have been making wine for thousands of years. Mm. And what in California and Washington and Oregon, it's like, what, 50 years or if that, if that. that. So, um, but, but when it comes to new world, uh, I'm definitely not going to say I don't like new world. I love wine from all over the globe. That's, you know, part of what I do working with such a global wine list is just, it's so fun tasting world-class wine from all over the world. Life is too short to drink the same wine all the time. Yeah. You know. All right, now you're under the gun. Where's this wine from? <laughs> All right, great. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> but yeah, I will say, I will say, from an old world wine lover, like Washington to me is just yes, love it. I I really, you know, the more more I travel, the more I realize I love every region I go to. There's something about it, you know, and. Um, just the opportunity to taste wines in every location is really a, I'm is, okay. is great. You. I um, for me, and and this is not everyone's experience. I, I find that people in the uh, really engulfed in the wine industry and psalms, uh, they probably share the same feeling. But for me, um, I'm not a. I was never a history guy. It, it was never something that was even on my radar. Uh, I almost, I have kind of a similar experience as you do with the wine world. I was always great in the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, you know, I don't think people realize you can make a really good living for yourself in fine dining. And, mm-hmm. and I always did, but I was also in school to be an accountant. I'm a, I'm a semester away from an accounting degree. Um, I was, I, I had one of the worst days of my life and one of the best days in my life all in one. I wrecked my motorcycle. I was, uh, on bed rest for six months and I had time to kind of reflect on what I was doing, why I was in school, what I was going to school for. And I realized, what am I doing? I love the wine industry. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to go for. And that's what I went. And then my love for wine you have something like what's in your glass right now or or you know you open up an old bottle of whatever name your wine and it takes me back to that year to what was going on yes i love that i love how wine takes you back to a place and a time or or a memory what was going on Mm -hmm. in my birth year Mm -hmm. and you know wherever you know you you taste wines like that and then when you get something that's not uh, uniquely California, it's not that fruit, it's not that barrel, you're not picking, you know, splinters from your teeth, you're actually getting the expression of the grape, mm-hmm. and you're you're tasting that terroir, you're tasting the, what was going on at that point in time, and to me, you know, a lot of people just drink wine, and is it good, is it bad, whatever, sure. to me, I love that feeling of, it's almost like an epiphany, right, like, mm-hmm. gosh, man, what were they doing that, you know, how did they take this terrible region of champagne and have this year where it's just so gorgeous and it just showed so beautifully uh i love it i was oh go ahead go ahead no No, you're the guest guest. i was gonna take a stab at the wine oh yeah do okay so when i first smelled it gave it just an initial whiff i immediately thought sauvignon blanc because i was getting some citrus but the more i really put my nose in the glass uh, was telling me not really reading sauvignon blanc not enough um, tart citrus fruit for, for Sauvignon Blanc. And then I think tasting that just confirmed it. Um, I do, uh, I do think this is new world just from the, the legs on the glass and also the texture of the wine. It's, um, I want to say too full bodied, but it's, it's not as zippy and zesty as an old world white wine. The acidity is there, but it's not reading to me as old world acidity. I think that this is a Pinot Gris from Oregon. Mm-hmm. 
I think uh, that first off, um, my mother always told me to go with your first intuition. It's got a little bit of a, a saline finish to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I so. think this wine has changed drastically being in the glass and uh, in your glass mm-hmm. and coming to temp. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's opened up. I, it, my last sip of this, I get exactly where you were going with mm-hmm. that. The salinity was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I was blinding it, you're right. Sticking your nose in the glass, it reminded me of Sauv Blanc right away. Mm-hmm. I know what this is, mm-hmm. so I, I, I don't know if uh, I would have called anything different than you. So, again, this is 75% of one varietal. Okay. Um, but it is the, it, it's Sauv Blanc. Is oh, what it is, is. It, this a white Bordeaux? It's oh, okay. And Goodness. the funny okay. part is, oh, do you? I love that wine. <laughs> I love that wine. I know. So, and it's funny. Remember, I said to my, da- my when I told my, I was pouring it for my dad. And he yeah. Goes, oh man, I've I've sold this wine for years because it's been around for do such you know, a long time. I'm a little time. embarrassed because I just tasted that wine like very very recently and actually took a bottle home. Um, but I will agree with you. I think it has changed quite a bit yeah. since it's been in the glass. Absolutely. Um, I think if we tasted it right away. Um, I think I at least would have gotten to Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> right. And I think Simeon well, does I think Simeon does bring a richness and a, a roundness. A yes, roundness it does. to Sauvignon mm-hmm. Blanc. Which is why mm-hmm. I love these wines. I love White Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. White Bordeaux's a huge fan of it's White It's so slept yeah. on for Sauv Blanc. Mm-hmm. You, when people talk about Sauv Blanc, their knee jerk reaction is goes New Zealand. But yeah. I I think a hundred percent White Bordeaux is the greatest expression of what Sauv Blanc can be. Can I give an Can I give an like uncensored, unapologetic opinion on yeah, New yeah. Zealand yeah, Sauv Blanc? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get like the wine has no complexity, no balance, no structure, and it smells like cat urine. And people love it. Yeah. Like I don't know, are people just gluttons for punishment? Uh, I, uh, I to be honest with you, when I taste a uh, European wine that's mousy, I I like that. Mm-hmm. Like yes. I like whole cluster wines. I like the freakish wines. You know, mm-hmm. that's me. Like. You know, people. You know, Greek. I love. I really yes. love Greek wines. Yes. But you know, it's it's a hard sell. Yeah. You really have to. Mm-hmm. You know, really say. You know, this is a wine that's different. So don't expect your same old wine that you drink all the time. This is gonna be something that's new to you. Yeah. And I love that. You know, wine that has layers and complexity and that's different. That really gets me going. To you your know, point, it is harder to sell in retail some of these things that are a little bit off the cuff. Especially now, because you, you can't have tasting. No, absolutely. you can, but it's weird. I've never worked retail before. I've only worked the floor. In my confidence, you can bring me any wine, and I know I can sell it. I know I can. I And I'm going to sell it to the right person. I'm going to find the person who is, you know, it might take me a week or two to find that person, mm-hmm. but once I find mm-hmm. that person, and I know that you're going to enjoy this wine, Every time you come back, I know you're going to be looking for Well, do you know, sometimes when I buy wines like that, obscure, kind of off the beaten path wines, I have a regular guest in mind. mind. And I'm like, oh my gosh, so-and-so is going to love this. Well, 100%. I think we do too. Like there's times where I purchase wine. I purchased a wine this week and it's for one person who I know really would like to have this wine. So that's, uh, I think even both, you know, with retail and in, in, you know, restaurants, I think that's. That can go both ways. You know, you have your guests and then you have what you like. Well, it's much harder, I think, in retail, I've noticed. Again, I, I'm very new to the retail, retail space, um, but I don't have that ability to... You're opening it right now. You're opening it in front of me. What I say is has to be real. I mean, it's coming to you in front of my face. If I tell you that it's going to taste like this and you open the glass and you say, what are you talking about? This is not that at all. Then now I have to deal with the consequences, right? So you have to know your wine inside and out and you have to know what the pairing is and you have to have the confidence. And listen, if I put this down in front of you and it's not what I said it is, guess who's buying it? That's that's yeah. what it is. So I think it's a little easier to do it in, in a restaurant space and uh for us i i I, you know i said to you anthony anthony you know when you started covid was just hitting and you know we we do tastings every friday anywhere from 30 to 50 people and then we do really special events on saturdays we do wine dinners you know we do a trip every year somewhere in the globe um and this has really hindered me 
personally from like being able to just go, hey, I really would love to open this bottle of wine and taste it with you so you can get excited the way I'm getting excited yeah. about it. And and with not being able to do tastings, and even some of my vendors, their companies are not allowing them to do tastings mm-hmm. in store. Um, so right. that's been very hard for me. And it's very hard for me to like get behind something that's geeky because I can't open it. Sure. You know? Yeah, absolutely. All right, this is wine number two. All right, and Anthony, you don't know what this is. I have no okay, idea. Okay, good, so we're blind tasting together. I have... First of all, do you like the nose? I <laughs> I love the nose. <laughs> the nose kind of um, I'm bad about going with my gut instinct on on mm-hmm. the nose. Um, well, the nose to me is a little woody, mm-hmm. and I'm sensing some American oak. Mm. Um, it does have a little bit of that dill pickly aroma to it, and it's definitely a little woody. I think I'm digging a little bit for the fruit. But the fruit is coming across as crunchy red fruit, maybe a little dusty, dusty fruit. So I initially had, um, I had something in mind, and I'm not getting it on the palate, and I think I'm searching for it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I initially, what I thought I was getting from this, uh, led me down the road to think that I was going to get some rose petal off of this. Oh, I see where you were going. I wasn't going that way. That's where I thought that it was going. Mm-hmm. And now I'm kind of, I'm searching for it and I'm not picking it up. So it's leading me down a different road. Okay. Um, my palate is leading me down the same road as, as my nose. I don't know if that's any indication to you as to where I'm going. But the tannins are definitely, they're there. They're a little grippy. And just like the nose, the palate is a little woody. You can definitely taste the oak. Um, how still do you getting th- that how, crunchy how old, red fruit. Like, give me a, how old do you think the wine is? Well, I think it might have a little bit of age on it, but not too much because the outer rim is still clear. So, I mean, maybe maybe five years. I was thinking five to seven. Yeah. Um, but I also got <laughs> I, I think five to seven. Mm-hmm. I see a little bit of burnt on the edge of that it it kind of gets a little opaque yeah explain the color to the listeners i think that if you talk it's like a brick red color mm-hmm. and there is some rim variation but not too much um you know red wines as they age they lose color whereas white wines gain color as they age but a young wine will have a very clear outer rim this you do see some rim variation the wine is losing some color, but there still is that clear outer rim. So I don't, I don't think this has too much age on it. I think when you say five to seven, I'm kind of with you there. I think, and I'll tell everybody out there, this is not easy. This is hard. It's yeah. But isn't there days where you think, oh my gosh, I'm so good at this, and then there's days you're like I should not. Can be I in tell this you business. when I was in my sommelier certificate course and I was blind tasting all the time? Mm-hmm. I was so good mm-hmm. blind tasting, <laughs> and even in my tasting groups, these people I'm tasting with on a weekly basis, they were just like, oh my god, <laughs> you're hitting every single one. But when you fall out of it, it's like anything, you know. It's like speaking a foreign language. If you don't practice it, you're gonna lose it. And I don't want to say lose it, but it gets more challenging, you know. Mm-hmm. If it's something you do all the time, um, blind tasting is definitely a learned skill. Yeah. It's not something you just one day smell the wine. You're like, oh, this is. I get you know, this. This, this is yeah. easy. Oh, this is a 2015. I do uh, this every you know, day. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it absolutely is a learned skill i had a really hard time with it in the beginning it did not come very easy to me at all uh actually george meliotis uh Mm -hmm. sat down with me and really worked with me Mm one-on-one uh i became pretty good at one point in time i don't want to say that i was the best but i think i was probably the best in my tasting group um pretty confident um and i still have some of that i i know where i'm going with things um but again to your point if you're not blinding all the time it's mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a use it or lose it type thing but you don't you're not as sharp as you, you don't, yeah like work. i said you don't lose it but it's like anything you learn if you don't practice you mm-hmm. you you know you lose that that sharpness i have the right. tool yeah. set to give me an idea of where i'm going mm-hmm. i think this is a thin skin grape obviously you can uh, i think mm-hmm. you can read through the lines here um to me 
initially I went five seven. I think it could be older than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was having those second thoughts too. I said maybe it is a little bit older, but the tannins are still so. They're nice. They're there. They're they're very um, yeah. They're very present. I, my initial my initial call on this was I I, I just my gut was Nebbiolo. Mm-hmm. I, it just right away that's what I thought it was. I don't know why that's where I went. Um, I still think that it could be an Italian varietal. I think that that's an option on the table. Uh, with it not driving with fruit, I think it's old world. I think I definitely think it's old world. I, yeah. I, and the acidity is telling me old world. Acid for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I think it's old world. I I hate that I initially thought Italian because I can't get away from Italian yeah. at this point in time. Um, I think it's older. I think it's Italian. Uh, my gut's Nebbiolo, but I think I'm wrong on that. But I'm going to probably say... Uh, I'm not going to go 10-12. I'm going to go 2011. I think it's 2011. Okay. I think it's... Um, I'm very excited by this because there's only like maybe five bottles left in the cellar. Um, um, I, I think this is uh, Rioja. I think it's Spanish. Again, on the nose, I immediately got indications of American oak. So there's very few places. Again, going with Old World, you know, if you're going to go Old World, American oak, there's mm-hmm. not many places really Certainly. to Rio go. Rio has big with American oak. Rio yeah. has big, mm-hmm. although that is shifting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Australia, you can see some American oak, but this mm-hmm. definitely, you know, does not, again, Old World. This is definitely an Old World wine. For Italian, I wouldn't completely rule out Italian, but I would question what the heck this is because I'm not getting that like licorice, anisette aroma that I get on so many Italian reds. Mm-hmm. Um, but the tannins definitely, you know, are could be Italian. The yeah. tannic structure I'm thinking definitely could be Italian. But I, I'm, I'm my first gut from the nose was Rioja. The palate told me Rioja. Mm-hmm. I like um, the Tempranillo call. I you know, like that, that I'm getting that crunchy cranberry kind of fruit. So I'm just going to go with my gut and say Rioja. Yeah. So what it is mm-hmm. is an 05. Ooh, wow. We were way off. Barolo. Oh, goodness. <laughs> um, so, oh, good job. And, good job. you know, good price, yeah. right, for an 05 Barolo. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I think there's only five bottles left in there. And the only reason I pulled it because I haven't tasted it in a long okay. time. And I really wanted to, like, you know, see what this wine was doing. And, you know, it's shocking, the tannin on it. Like, how much longer? Yeah, I was just going to say that. I was like, oh, my goodness, in 05, like, the tannins on this wine are, like, are so whoa, hard. Whoa. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, maybe I should hide one. You know, well, that, right. it's for drinking, another five years. For I don't another, know. I was you know, say, yeah. <laughs> more than that, maybe. Yeah, the, but shocking, right? Yeah, very shocking. Yeah. I I could not get away from Nebbiolo. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get away from it. I hated the call. I didn't want it. And after you said Rioja, I kind of liked that, but I just couldn't pull away. I would have never said 2005. Um, 2000. I never would have said 05. Never would have said 05. Um, I. I can't believe how far off I was. I would have, I would have never said 05. I might have not have said Nibiolo because yeah. I wasn't getting like the big like. Well, like I, you said I get too, lots of, the I rose. Get, I wasn't getting the rose petal, no. the tobacco leaf, the potpourri. Uh, I wasn't getting any of that. I got but, a little licorice, but I didn't get like I always like search for cherry. in, yeah. in, yes. in Barolo, and I didn't. I wasn't Again, I wasn't that. getting that. I, I was getting the cranberry, that, no. you know, tart, crunchy cranberry. But you know what? Um, wines with age definitely are harder to blind taste. Yeah. For uh, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. They throw me for yeah. a loop every time. Because yeah. they change. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I'm going to blind taste my, my dad on this, and yeah. it'll be fun to see what he I bet he nails really it. Fun. I bet he nails yeah. it. He, he does, he's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially I'll, with Barolo. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Any he's, Italian wine. He's really good. He surprises me. He surprises me how good he is on uh, blinding. Yeah. I mean, I guess when you've just been drinking wine for that long, he knows. And yeah. there's things that I think I'll trick him on, and he nails it. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Who's the mole in the room that told him what he's drinking right now? Look at that color. Yeah, that oh is Oh, my a... gosh. Already your minds are probably in a couple different places, oh, right, I... with a color like that. Well, and I told you before, I actually have not tasted this wine I've been waiting for the right opportunity wow. to taste it, and I've been so excited to. So, what um, is that nose? Although I know what the wine is, um, it, it is a new exploration for me. Well, good. Cheers. Cheers. Salud. Salud. Chin chin. Chin chin. That nose is wild. So the color is really inky, 
purple. <laughs> yeah. Which Ooh. takes you a, a couple different ways. You're clearly not in a thin-skinned grape right here. Uh, you're looking at a lot... Oh, man. I love the nose on this. I love the nose. It's... Really generous, dark berries. Absolutely. Ripe, dark fruit, black currants. Yeah, but there's some... There's more going on there, though. There's something... There's, there's, it's almost like a it's... caramel in the background. I... I get a little dill. I get a little leather. Maybe leather. tobacco. Yeah, there definitely are, is some complexity here. There's definitely some underlying aromas. Okay, I got to go back to what my mom always told me. Go with your first intuition. Mm -hmm. Go with your first one. I mean, the color alone, it can only, you know, you're limited as to what really the wine can be. It's so 100%. dark and so inky. Yeah. So, I mean, just, I haven't tasted this wine yet. Just from color, there's several things that it could be. Uh, Petit Syrah, uh, Tanat. Uh, I love that you said Tanat. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Me too. I love that you said <laughs> oh. Petit Verdot. Petit Verdot can get um, inky I mean, it can like this. really dark. Um you can't roll out uh, again i i don't think just from color and nose alone i don't think that it's uh uh necessarily a cab or merlot but i'm not i can't rule it out yet um it's not i don't get that inkiness from it's got it's got good like dark fruit in it like it's got really like rich dark fruit in there uh, uh, mm, wow I, mean, I i can't tell but it's taste that is that alcohol, is alcohol uh, is the alcohol a little higher than new and than old world or maybe but the acid for me is is much higher than i expected i think the palate throws you for a loop yep. you're smelling it and you think you know what it is and then you taste it and you're like whoa 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 we are not in kansas toto 100 like, percent. <laughs> the acid is much higher than i expected it did it didn't drive with as much fruit as I thought. It's fruit driven, yeah, but it is not what I expected to be in this glass. But also, the body is not, or the texture, I should say, is not what you expect from Absolutely the nose. Absolutely not. Absolutely. The tannins not. are totally there, but the the viscosity of the wine is not what you think you're you're getting on sight and on and on smell. Hmm. Do you know the alcohol on this wine? I actually don't. I'm, I'm kind of... What do you think it is? I am... As shocking as this is, it does have nice legs on it. Um, I don't think the alcohol is as high as I initially thought it was going to be. I... 14%. I was going to say 14, I, I maybe 14.5 yeah. at the highest, but I, I'm guessing around 14. I think 14. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if it was just under 14. Mm -hmm. Um... I, I'm not leading European here, man. This this wine is not taking me to Europe. I I don't, and I could, you know, this could, I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I, I feel like it's South American in some way, and I, I'm really don't know if that's, um, that's correct. But I keep on. It could be. It could be. There. It could be Washington yeah. State as well. Uh, Washington State's a little uh, tweener. It gives me. I do get some old world characteristics from it. I get some new world. Um, that color, I think it's very young. I don't mm -hmm. think it's over five years old. Um, could be, but there's not a lot of rim variation. There's very little rim variation. I think that very it's little. very young. Mm -hmm. I think the, Tannin. with the acidity being where it's at, mm -hmm. I think you're in a little bit cooler climate, um, on a, a darker skin grape. I think that Washington is a very comfortable call for me. I think it could be Syrah, um, Syrah, it, it's still that inkiness isn't isn't taking me down that road. Um, I think it's one of the nobles. I think it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's like South American Petit Verdot. I'm just guessing. Really? I would think though if it's South American, it would has to be high elevation. Uh, Argentina. Yeah. Salta or something mm -hmm. like that. It could be Salta, but I don't think so. I don't think so. I think to me. The acid's too high for me. I think the 
first off, I think it's higher quality. I don't. I think that this is uh, maybe not. Um, I don't think this is your average everyday wine producer. I think it's of higher quality. I think that you're looking at 14% alcohol. I'm gonna put that on right now. I'm thinking it's a little higher acidity. I think Washington State, I'm very comfortable with. Um, I don't think it's Petite Syrah. I don't think it uh, can possibly be that. Tanat, I'm not willing to drive away from that. Um, I hate mm -hmm. I hate the call, but I'm calling Syrah. All right, what is it? Are you ready for a review? Yeah. This was an evil blind taste. <laughs> At first of all, you hit the nail on the head with Washington. I love that you oh, picked yeah? up that it's Washington. This is a Suzhou Tintacao oh. blend. <laughs> it's a Portuguese It's a blend Portuguese from, blend from, from, hedges. from, from hedges <laughs> in Red Mountain. Look at that. Well... I am so glad. What is the alcohol? I, because in this yeah, what is the? You need to check. It's fourteen and a half. Oh, says. If I would have got that, I, I probably would have started to try to go for a master's. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I know that was so evil. No, so that's evil. good. That's good though. Like you know, that's that's awesome because now when I think about it, I think about well, okay, my Portuguese, my Duro wines. Yeah. What are they like? Lots of tannins. Yes. It's a wine that will age impeccably. Mm -hmm. So, you know, brilliant. And that's great. I'm so glad you brought it. And I'm seriously so tickled that you picked <laughs> up on Washington because the nose and the sight really told you it was New World. And then you taste it and you were like, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. Back up. Stop the bus. Yeah. This is not, this maybe isn't New World. Or, right? Or, well, you know? But again, you were straddling that old world, New World. Uh, and you picked up on how Washington is such a great bridge between and, those two styles. And Hedges is, is a, you know, a family that is known for making... Uh, French style yes. wine, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're really into it. Well, their their production facility is, I mean, gorgeous. Yes, I mean, it had, is. Oh I've, my gosh, I've, I've been there multiple is. times. I, I you feel like I, you're in Provence and you don't want to leave. Yeah, like, yeah. I almost cried when I had to leave Hedges yeah. Estate. Red, heard, Red Mountain, you know, it's mm -hmm. a Red Mountain location, yeah. which is, you know, it's just out there. Not last September, the September before, mm -hmm. and you know. Uh, people don't realize that there's over 150 wineries on yeah. Red Mountain now. So, you know, which just, is nuts to think about. I know when you it think is about what because that it's is. really like a small little hill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the backside of the hill, there's wineries on the backside of the hill and uh, there's beautiful, the Dionysus Vineyards is on Red Mountain. I mean, there's some really great Bacchus Vineyards on Red Mountain. There's some really great locations for producing high quality wine, super yeah. high quality wine. Absolutely. So this also, they only produce 198 six packs of, so this is sort of like a fun, yeah. like passion project. It's super just, small it, production. It, yeah. That. And, and hedges, uh, they sent, well, actually it was the Washington state wine commission that sent me this that? wine. Yes. How cool are they? So that's I mean, awesome. They're so cool. Since yeah. they weren't able to do a 2020 road trip, they've been doing virtual reunions. That's and, awesome. You know, they have select number of spots for alumni of the trip. And mm -hmm. I was uh, participating in the one with uh, Hedges. And so they sent us a couple of wines and some that we drink on the Zoom conference and some we hold on to. And I said, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to open this wine. But I really want to open it with the right people. And yeah. like, well, thank right you so occasion. much. Because yeah. that's a... <laughs> That's yeah. a treat. It really is. Yeah. I it threw me for a loop. I'm, yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I really. And it's got... American oak. It's American oak. You know, it's like it is. It's such a wrench. It, mm -hmm. It's such a. I got worked on that in one. Basket. But yeah, I, I'm okay with it because I, I like that. I like getting a something a, like challenged. you know. I was thinking about bringing a Sassamaniello, but I was like, you know, who's gonna know that? I wouldn't know that, right? I mean, these are this is a hard one to guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even if I brought a Portuguese wine in, it would be a that hard would be one really to guess. Really hard to guess. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I. That's a that's a really hard region of the world. Yes, blind tasting. I never instinctively go Portugal. Mm -hmm. I never do. Well, I never do. You should go Portugal. Oh, <laughs> so <laughs> so I do want to. I want to touch on a couple things. One, you got uh, pretty great accolades last year. Wine yeah. spectator. Let's talk about that. Yeah, a little yeah. Bit. thank you. Starting Congratulations. In, thank you. Starting in 2019, uh, was one of my first projects joining the team at Bascom's. I applied uh, for the wine spectator review and we did get a two glass best of award of excellence we got that again in 2020 and are expected to get it again this year which so, is huge yeah huge that's, that's great absolutely it's, it's great for the tampa feeling. bay area i mean that's a beautiful thing and, yeah. and great yeah. for bascoms yeah. i mean 
nothing else that you've done that's yeah. worth the recognition right yeah. there i mean Bascom, you know. Bascom's trap house also in 2019 and 2020 was voted best steakhouse in the tampa bay yeah. times mm-hmm. uh, uh best of the bay mm-hmm. so we were just blown away and, and your, so, your company so has a hotel there too we just and... opened well we just reopened the carroll hotel right. which is just a few blocks away from beautiful. Bascom's on yeah. olmerton road it is gorgeous mm-hmm. there's a the vantage rooftop bar mm-hmm. is stunning you nice view of uh, Feather Sound and uh, the food is different style from Bascom's. It's, I would say, French inspired. Mm-hmm. And uh, But we are doing the food and beverage there and uh, it's very exciting. It's, so you get, to, you get to buy the wine in... Uh... Well, yes and no. I, I do. Mm-hmm. However, when they initially opened in February last year, they were open three weeks before the pandemic hit mm. and, and the sh- everything shut down. So at the time, they had uh, hired a company, a management company. So right now, I'm dealing with getting rid of everything the management company bought. And they bought a lot. (laughs) And so I'm trying to... You know, move through that inventory. Move, move through that, and but but yes, yes, I am essentially the buyer for the Carroll Hotel, but I'm not working over there. You right. won't see me won't see during that. service yeah. over there, yeah. but I'm a little behind the scenes. What is um? How is? What do I want to say? What is Bascom's response to the COVID pandemic been? So we are just super super cautious. Um, we are still at fifty percent capacity. We are still insisting wow. that our guests wear masks. I know that is a mandate in, in Pinellas, but you know, people have their different of opinions course. and, sure. and what yeah. they feel are their rights. And, mm-hmm. and it's really become very political. It, it has. And, and for us, it's not political at all. Mm-hmm. It, we are concerned primarily about the safety of our guests and our staff. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're concerned Same about. Same here. Absolutely. So, you know, we've noticed that, you know, the service is maybe taking longer than it was before, but right. that's because we are sanitizing everything between uses. We have hand sanitizer everywhere you look around the restaurant and uh we're just we're just you know we're almost paranoid about it <laughs> well like, we're I just that's... we're just obsessive about the sanitation and were you guys able to open up outside anywhere like were so... you like i know that pinellas county let people do that yes initially when we reopened in may mm-hmm. we did set up an outdoor dining area with about 10 or 12 tables mm-hmm. you know Unfortunately, outdoors, we lack ambiance. We're right on Olmerton Road, which is really busy. (laughs) So once I think the panic in in our local society kind of waned, Mm -hmm. we kept only a couple. We have two tables outdoors for guests who want to dine outdoors. We don't get many requests for guests who want to dine outdoors. But Mm -hmm. when we do, and even if we notice on a Saturday night, we have two tables outdoors. If we have five or six reservations that want to sit outside, we'll set that up. We'll yeah. set that up and put yeah. a server in that section. And so we're just trying to be as adaptable as possible, but um, we are just focused on keeping everyone safe and healthy and keeping our doors open. I think that that's a good thing for people to hear. Um, we have listeners uh, really all over the world at this point. We have, uh, we're, we're in several different countries, but our listeners that are outside of the state of Florida, it's important to point out that we are very fortunate here that we have we're open we're open we're open uh and and i know that you know we have family in other states that you know tell me what (laughs) what do you mean you're open but we are we're open it's something that uh the state has done uh and made a conscious effort to be as safe as possible i think uh our restaurants are are mandating masks for the most part Mm -hmm. uh the ones that are not you're seeing them constantly on the news getting fined or shut down down. uh losing licenses i I mean they're taking it very seriously um but i think that it's very important to realize that uh unlike i've been very critical on this podcast of california uh so i'm sorry for anyone who takes offense to that but i think that it's a very dangerous game that you're playing shutting down restaurants and I don't know that people necessarily understand the impact that it's going to have on one small business, but to the restaurant industry. You're going to lose, even in Florida, where we're allowed to open, the the toll that it's taken on mm-hmm. small business owners and restaurateurs is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. We've lost it's huge, an unbelievable amount of restaurants here. There, there. My res- my sister-in-law, as you know, has a giant restaurant over in Orlando area, and. Uh, you know, she chooses to be fifty percent. Mm-hmm. That's her choice right. right now. I mean, you know. Y- 
usually you have to like they give you one of those little things that light up when your table's ready you know right that's how busy they are but they have chosen to just be 50 percent until they feel comfortable and it's again it's about the customer and the staff but has she had fought back have people you know Absolutely. Fodder a little bit. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we get that too. I mean, I yeah. think so many places so probably get that. Yeah. So we get it here. We get yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is it's you know, it's very unfortunate that the mask wearing has become this political thing. Uh at the end of the day, uh it shouldn't be. It's uh it's something that we haven't made political at all. Uh we just want I mean, we your father's mm-hmm. in his eighties. You know, we want to be as safe as possible for him. Yeah. We want to be as safe as possible for everyone else. And we also want to make other people feel safe you know you don't want to lose people coming in because you're allowing someone in without masks right you don't want to and at the end of the day you don't want to feel bad that someone got sick from coming to your staff absolutely there's great opportunities for all of us in this existence of covid i guarantee you you customers can probably order food from you guys and pick it up and take it home absolutely we're doing curbside pickup and Mm -hmm. as we are too Mm -hmm. and website delivery and so there are other options if you don't want to put on a mask absolutely i am happy to serve anybody who doesn't want to wear a mask but i want to do it outside i want to take your wine to your car put it in your trunk or i'll drop it off at your doorstep absolutely so uh i don't you know i hate being political but i really believe that um we're just trying to look out after our families and our and our friends absolutely it breaks my heart that this has become political because when the shutdown happened last year i honestly thought to myself you know what, maybe for once as Americans, we can put politics aside and we can really come together as a nation and Care overcome this yeah. and just, and that didn't happen. And that's really heartbreaking as an American. It really is. I myself will not get political, but I am middle of the road. Mm-hmm. I really, I'm kind of in between, you know, democratic and Republican ideas. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think it, it's just, it's sad. It's it's sad yeah. how it's become. And at Bascom's, I can say we have turned guests away who will not wear a mask and don't want to sit outside. Because, mm. You know, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to serve you if you yeah. don't want to sit outside. And then what that means is a review on Yelp or on Google or right. TripAdvisor. And we're willing to take those hits. Sure. We really are. Because, again, our priority is, is safety. Well, I think that for most people out there, uh, and you mentioned your middle of the road, I think if most people are being honest with themselves, they're probably a little more middle of the road than they would like to admit, yes. uh, especially right now. Um, I think that without getting political right now, it is about survival, right? Your restaurant's trying to survive. Yes. You can't stay closed this long and survive unless no. you just have the deepest pockets. And those deep pockets got there because they weren't going to make bad business decisions yeah. like staying open during a pandemic. Yeah. So you are at this point trying to survive and we will come out the other side and we will be okay. We'll and be once okay. we get there, then you can reopen to 100%. Then you can start flowing again and letting people in. I think those bad reviews are people who are, you know, right now it's a very depressing time for a lot of people. Yes. And people are going through things and maybe they take it out in the wrong place in the wrong facet and, yes or, and i try or, to keep that in mind honestly yeah. i really do and and a bad it's review hard. can be looked at by other people going oh that's what they're upset about yes. right you know yes the, they're being safe right, right? they're being right. Safe. they're upset they're because upset they're being safe correct we were turned away because we aren't wearing a mask to other yep. people, that's a great flag that you're doing what you should be doing. So I uh, I commend you for what you what you guys are doing. I'm uh, I've always been a big fan of you and the restaurant as a whole. And uh, and thank you for coming on with us. Oh, today. Hey, one you. one question too. What what are the hours of Bascom's and yeah? Days? Please plug sure. your plug yes. everything you have your so, social media. Yes, the whole of thing. course. Yeah. So we have reopened for lunch in October. We reopened for lunch. We serve lunch Monday through Friday, eleven thirty to two thirty. Mm-hmm. We serve dinner from five to nine o'clock monday through thursday five to nine thirty friday saturday four to nine on sundays Mm -hmm. and the carroll hotel currently is open for dinner only tuesday through saturday they open at four i will admit i don't know their closing hours off the top (laughs) of my head i think they close at nine or ten during the week and ten or eleven on friday and saturday i'm sure it's on a website somewhere. it is on on a website absolutely and um yes just another little uh plug i i do a live uh tasting wine tasting on bascom's facebook page every wednesday at seven o'clock 
Although they are live, I do advertise the bottles for sale. I always offer a great deal on the bottles a few days beforehand, but I do post the videos to the website. So if you don't catch it live, they are on the um, on our Facebook page. And why don't you go ahead and plug your own social media? Because you're yeah, doing some cool course, things there too. Yeah, of course. Sure. Thank you so much. Uh, my Instagram handle is at Somcat Tampa, but it's S O M M K A T underscore T P A. And cat uh, is a nickname I have in many different parts of the globe. And, uh, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I, I my Instagram is not solely wine focused. It is based on my travels and just personal experiences. Um, so well great yeah awesome. well thank you so Thanks much for, for uh, yeah, joining us, us on the edges and, yeah. and joining us on the podcast and, oh uh, it was such a pleasure i'm so humbled well, um thank you very much well, you said such nice things coming. about me i don't i'm not used to hearing such nice things about me all the oh, time oh well, hopefully <laughs> no, we'll do it again soon I, right <laughs> absolutely i would love that and i'd love to have uh one or, or both of you on facebook uh one night yeah, uh, right. on the bascom's uh tasting all that right. would be so fun send us an invite i, I, I will for sure all right guys yeah. cheers right, cheers and there you have it folks wow that one went long but it was so much fun. She's a great personality. It was really fun to have her on the show. And we got to drink some amazing wines. That's always a bonus. I love doing this podcast. I love the people that come on. And we hope that you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoy doing it. Until next time. Cheers. <laughs>